Hey, so before this episode, there's a quick note that the microphone on my end does uh, cut out about an hour in. Uh, I was using my software lied to me about which microphone was being used, so it'll sound different in the second half than the first one. Just didn't want it to completely catch you off guard. Uh, be aware of that. If the if the beginning half sounds wrong, then that's why. Welcome to another strange and wild episode of Save Station Radio. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me, my co-host, Connor. Hi there. Where this week, yes, finally, this week, we are talking about Anodyne 2 Return to Dust. And let me tell you, audience, this one's a banger. Oh yeah, I was... I mean, this was the game that when we were looking at it, we are like, oh, we should definitely try that. And then we are like, oh wait, this is the sequel, we should play the first one, so... This game, just from the trailers alone, was the reason we played the first one, and I'm not disappointed. This one especially is really great. Yeah, this was one of those games, when we started this podcast, we were looking at doing, so it's kind of kind of a big one. Like, this is such a cool-looking game. Um, much like the first one, and, and also, heads up beforehand, I am recording this in my room. There's The weather's bad outside, there's been a thunderstorm, so if you hear any of that, apologies. Also, as a result of that, I am living in dogs, just living in them right now. They're all over. Uh, I've got one on my bed and one under my desk right now. So if there's any weird cuts because they were barking and we had to stop for a second, that's why. Just apologies in advance for that. But you can't stop me living in my dog world. Do you have any fun animals you're living with right now that you want to tell the audience about? No, they're all outside. Oh, man, you're crueler to yours than I am to mine. <laughs> eh, my cat might yell at the door, but other than that, we're good. Uh, and then, thank you to Connor once again for gathering these notes. Killing it. Yeah, this is a super small indie game. Like, finding the notes usually isn't a big deal. I usually rip a lot of the information off of Wikipedia, and then if I need more, I'll do some more digging and fact-checking and whatnot, but... This one doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and it doesn't even have a like Metacritic Metascore, which we usually do. It only came out last year, like about a year ago this month. So it's it's still really recent, but it's also a really niche game, and I understand that. But this is um, an indie ass indie game, basically. But it's one that I think a lot of people should play. It is super good and it has a great story and i'm getting ahead of myself this was released august 12th 2019 which is uh that would be four days after this episode goes up um a year ago from then uh it released on steam the epic game store uh gog humble cartridge and itch.io all you know pc platforms it's not on consoles yet um, I did some digging, and apparently it's being planned for Switch, PS4, Xbox One, um, 
that they're waiting to do that when it also comes to PS5 and the Series X. I hope that happens. People need to play this game. It's really good, and I, I, the first game seems to be pretty much everywhere, so I, I don't think it's unlikely. It's just they're a small team, so, you know, we, we, we just don't know. And like you said, you found this on a forum, not even an official yeah, announcement. Yeah, I had to really dig for this information. Um, but when it does come to consoles, like when it comes to Switch, that's a day one purchase for me. Um, I um, I don't know how you played this, Dustin, but I played this on the Epic Game Store because it was free a while ago. Yeah, and I was going to make note of that. If you have been keeping up with the free games for Epic, you may just have this game in your library. And if that's the case, go play it. Like, it, it, it's 20 bucks normally, I checked on Steam, which is totally worth it. So, you know, check your library, and if you don't have it, go buy it. It's that good, and I, I'm telling you right now, before we even get into our little review segment, that it's just it's just that good. Um, do you want to tell it's us... It's also one that you shouldn't have spoiled for you. Yes. You know, go play it and check it out, and then come back and listen to our ramblings about it um i would recommend also if you're going to consider buy, buying it always consider to buy it on itch.io because more money goes to the devs that way i understand if you want to buy it on steam because your libraries are all condensed but you know consider itch it's not too bad you get it drm free and all that also soundtrack is super good that's also like 10 bucks uh it it's just really great yeah um, for sure and this whole game was made in a year and a half by two people. And that is really wild to me because the amount of polish on this game is like insane. So, you know, support them in their projects. And it's much bigger scope than the first game too. So like, it, it's it's worth it. Uh, but anyway, why don't you tell us who those two people were? Yeah, so this game was developed by Melos Hantani and Marina Kitaka, the same two people that made the first game, and they did pretty much everything. Uh, they credit a couple other people for like marketing and um, like legal stuff, but all of the actual game works, all the all the game credits are pretty much just those two people, and so you know you get this sort of a lot of the credits are the same credit just both people so i can imagine the workflow on this was very much shared it was very much you know based off of their skills but like the writing they would both work on it um and you know the style that they that these two people have is great yeah absolutely i am in complete agreement well let's let's talk about how we feel about it without spoiling uh which i know we already have but I want to put a pin in this, or not a pin in this, I want to make this clear, underline it, bullet it, whatever. I think that this is a better game than the first game in almost every single way. Oh, for sure. It is, I, I would honestly say it's one of the best sequels ever made. Which is a huge statement to make, but I am so impressed with this game. I cannot believe how good it is and how much, like, how different it is while still feeling like a sequel. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, and the developers have gone on record and it's in the press release and everything that you could play these games out of order. And if you're looking to get into it, this isn't a bad starting spot. Yeah. But a lot of the things in this game won't hit as hard if you haven't played the first one. So I would it say will, play the first one. 
one moment that I think is super hype if you played the first one, and I for that moment alone, I would recommend playing that one first. Yeah, the first game's short and cheap and whatever. Yeah. Just play the first one. It's, it's got problems, but it's not, you know, those problems aren't so bad. It's not worth checking out. And it's like regularly yes. a dollar. So, you know, even if you're a bit concerned, just wait a month or two. It's like always on sale. Uh, so, yeah, this game uh, was nominated for the grand prize in the 2020 Independent Games Festival. Didn't end up winning. Um, the one that did win is A Short Hike, which... I've also heard very good things about, but have not tried. Um, that one was also free on Epic not too long ago. But, you know, to have it nominated up there next to not just a short hike, but, like, a lot of these big indie games, um, like, it got the nomination over things like Katana Zero. I mean, that's super impressive and super inspiring for these small developers that... And I think it deserves it. It's super cool. Yeah, totally. It. And it's totally on that level to me of a Katana Zero or a... Well, I guess I haven't played a short hike, but like a, like other games from that year was Gato Robato that year or the year before, I can't remember. You know, any games that kind of make a big splash and get noticed, um, I, I think it deserves to be that. And unfortunately, I don't think it has that. I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about the Metascore and how it doesn't have enough critical reviews to actually have a uh, Metacritic <laughs> Metascore. Which is a bummer. Like, I want more people to experience this game. I, you know, I hope their next game gets a little more attention. Um, it's got like 11 user reviews. What does it have? An 86, right? And 8, 8.6. 8.6, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I think is about spot on. And I don't know. I, I just, I hope more people check out this game. If you take one thing away from this podcast, play it. A lot of that will change when it comes to consoles, I think. So. You know, there's that. If you're waiting to play it on consoles, that's fine. You might be waiting for a little bit, but, um, you know, go out, find it, play it. It's not too expensive, really. Yeah, and I can't imagine you'll, you'll need a nice computer to make it run nicely. Like, it's, it seems pretty. I think the Steam requirement said you need, like, Windows 7, so you're yeah, probably you're, good. Yeah, you're fine. But I understand if all you have is a console, it's fine. I get it. <laughs> yeah, most of the stuff um, comes with... Like, a, a lot of the system requirements, I think, are also tied to the fact that this game is really emulating that PS1 and 64 look with its 3D stuff, um, which I love <laughs> because I am nostalgic for that kind of stuff, and yep. I think it really, I think it just looks great. You know, the low-res textures and the kind of low-poly models might be a turnoff for someone, but, like, I think it looks great, and it kind of... It just works for this that then when you get into the 2D stuff and it's sort of the 16-bit style, it kind of just is an evolution of that. We're, we're a little ahead. Let's describe what the game is so people aren't super confused. Uh, this is a, a 3D game where you go into 2D levels. So if you remember, the first game was kind of a Link's Awakening clone. Uh, I think we described it as. This game also has 2D segments like that game did, but instead of exploring around to find those dungeons, you are now exploring in a fully 3D uh, modeled area. And which, man, what a strong choice. Like, that is such a cool thing. It gives the the exploration meaning because you are now doing it in a different dimension. And it, it's just so much fun. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the 3D 
gameplay is just kind of basic platforming, really. It is. It's nothing special, but that's. I think that that's okay uh, because because it's just so different that you kind of don't really have time to kind of you know criticize it too much in the moment because you're like, oh, I'm doing this 3D thing for like. 15 minutes or whatever and then you're back into the duty level and you do that for like 15 minutes and you're kind of flip-flopping back and forth it never outsta no style outstays its welcome i guess is the point i would make yeah and you know the 3d platforming um whether the controls are to your liking or not i think they're fine um it doesn't ask you to do anything super precise so you're not frustrated with the controls you're just using it as a means to explore you know, explore this super beautiful world and all of its PS1 glory. Yeah, and I will emulate what you were saying about the graphics. I think they're awesome. You know, I as a person who, my first console was a PS1 with Spyro the Dragon. Like, this style really speaks to me, and I know a lot of people think it's ugly, but man, I, I love it. I, I, there's, there's been a, like a recent, like a ton of indie games that have this kind of look or gonna come out or coming out. And I, I love this trend, and I hope we see more of it. It's just... And it has, like, those jagged edges that PS1 games had. It it looks really nice, I think. Yeah, I I loved the look of this game when I first saw it, and it still looks good in motion and in gameplay. And it's not super low-res, like you're playing off of a PS1. You still kind of have that modern, like, smoothing, but it still has that that charm it's got like modern um, lighting also... which i think does a lot yeah exactly to give it a look and a feel I, I think that that low poly look too allows them to make like these really unique and kind of disturbing character models like it reminds me a lot of the stuff in like the n64 zelda games where you would walk up to a, a normal npc and it's like just by nature of it being made of like five polygons it would look wrong and off and a lot of that stuff here looks that way intentionally. And it, it really creates a unique atmosphere and feeling. Yeah, and a lot of that atmosphere and feeling comes from the music. Um, oh, it's so good. Melos Hantani is the one who did the soundtrack for this, and it is so, so beautiful. Um, I've been listening to it on repeat nonstop for the last couple days, and the amount of like otherworldly ethereal background noise that happens in certain areas or the upbeat sort of like um like town tunes you'd hear in a lot of games where it's just sort of you know you're just kind of bouncing around the town um that mixed with this otherworldly beauty and then when things get intense and you get sort of that energy behind it um and then there's that one part in the game that everyone who's played it knows um but everything about the soundtrack just it's calming when it needs to be. It feels safe when it needs to be, but it also feels uncomfortable and unknown when it is in the right tone for that. And it is perfect for this game and just really moving on its own as well. Yep. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I have like, if I was to critique anything at all, it's, I, I honestly, I, I think maybe the ending can be a little bit drawn out, but that's a very small critique. There's like one moment in this game where I felt like the controls weren't great and I'll talk about that later. But I, I don't know, I, I truly really enjoyed this experience.
Yeah, so we didn't talk much about the 2D gameplay. The 3D is just, you know, uh, basic platforming and then mainly just exploration, like you're playing a like Ocarina of Time or whatever. Um, but instead of, you know, calling for a horse, you could just transform into a car, which is super great. Uh, makes you move faster. There's highways to get between areas. Like, it's pretty great. But then the 2D areas, you have a vacuum, which you can use to suck up enemies and then shoot them out, which is very much like Kirby. And uh, it's intentionally like that. I did uh, look through some of the concept art that you can find in the game, and one of them is, uh, I believe, Melos talking about how they're emulating Kirby in it, but then they have to cross out the name Kirby for legal huh. reasons. So um, you could definitely tell that was kind of the inspiration for that. But That's cool. I didn't even realize for... that. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, yeah, you could find concept art and stuff in this game, and it's uh, an interesting read. The sort of mechanic, that's the only real gameplay mechanic in 2D, is you can vacuum things up, and then you can shoot them out again. But they use that for so many different cool puzzle-solving things, and there's different uh, environmental puzzles in each dungeon, and it's it's really cool what they do with just this one core mechanic. Yeah, a lot of this game feels like they looked at the problems of the first game and, like, chucked them off on a list. And we're like, okay, let's fix this, fix this, fix this. Oh, like, in these 2D areas, the the jumping doesn't really work. Let's just cut it. Uh, the broom feels weird because you can't swing it in with enough precision. Let's just cut it and add this vacuum, which is more interesting anyway. Like, the, uh, the map is terrible. So instead of having large open environments for you to explore in 2D, we're now going to make them 3D, so it's easier to find landmarks. And also the 2D sections are going to be fairly linear and small, so the map being the same isn't really too much of an issue. Like, I, I genuinely think the design of this game is so much better and so much smarter than the first one. I don't know. What do you think about that, comparing the two? Yeah, I think so in entirely, because the 2D sections are still top-down zelda-like areas um much like the first one it looks very similar but um everything about the construction and the intention behind it is a lot better um because instead of wandering this sort of confusing segmented 2d world um to find the next dungeon you are exploring this expansive 3d world to find the 2d dungeon which in our episode for the first game I think we both kind of agreed that the dungeons were the best part of that game. So for them to focus on that and have more of them just kind of spread out in a 3D world, it, it really works for me. And when the, ga when the 2D sections do open up, it's still pretty clear and the landmarks are still there. And they even have better maps for those areas. So I feel like they really took the criticisms that they got for the first game to heart when they were designing this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into spoilers? I guess we should we should give the people a a little like a like a little tiny plot synopsis. Like like what are we what are we doing here? Let's let's sell them. What's what's like the like couple sentences? I don't want to spoil too much. Let, what what are we doing in this game? Yeah, so in this game you are in a land called New the Land. Uh, the land in the previous game it's new the land this time um and you play as nova who is a nano cleaner 
um, basically a being able to shrink into people's bodies and then vacuum up the nano dust, which is this sort of weird infection that can mess with people's emotions or moods or whatever. Um, so you go in, you vacuum it up, uh, defeat whatever little enemies are in there, and then that person is saved. So when you're exploring the 3D world and you find an interesting character, and then you can shrink inside them to go into their dungeon, uh, all of that is really cool. So you have the vacuum and you're tasked with collecting enough dust and the returning cards in order to level up the uh, dust container and you know you do that for the game that's the that's the basic gist yep absolutely um it's basically a game about going around helping people uh on its surface at least i i will say you mentioned the cards i'm glad you brought that up i feel like they they kind of made it even worse than the first game with the first game we had complaints about how the cards were basically used as a way to lock off the ending and if you weren't collecting them, you wouldn't get the ending. And they did the same thing here. But in the first game, you at least had, there was like one card you couldn't get to get to the end. In this game, you need all of them. So if you're a person who's conscious of that stuff, make sure you're collecting the cards the whole time. And I do think that that, that is an interesting choice, again, to have a, the ending be locked off by collectibles. I don't think it's as bad as the first one, namely because when you get towards the end of the game, you can purchase a card locator, which will just kind of tell you where they are. And also the 3D world is not nearly as uh, time-consuming to explore. So yes. when you are searching for those last couple, it's really not a big deal. Yeah, and that was the point I was going to make up, is I got that locator and it was useless to me because I had mostly collected all the cards anyway. So it, it's not as bad as the first game, but it is definitely, they still made that choice. So if that's something you're conscious of, just make sure you're looking around Um you know, a lot of the most of the cards you get from the dungeons, but some of them you find in the 3D open world areas. So just uh, be a little bit thorough. Let's uh, let's dive in then. And again, I know we said this like five times. I cannot stress: play this game, play it. It's really good. Yeah, more people need to play it and discuss it and experience its story, which I think is it's a lot more present in this game than the first one. Like it's there's a lot more dialogue and characters and whatnot but i think it's really compelling and that's what really drove the ending for me go experience the story uh don't get it spoiled for you um gameplay super fun and it's, i think it's pretty accessible to most video game players anyway so So, are we Nora in the real world? I assume we are, right? Oh, you're starting there. Okay. Yeah, um, no, we're getting into it. <laughs> all right. We are getting into it. Yeah, that whole section. Okay, so this section, uh, it super caught me off, <laughs> off guard, really. And Jesus, it was so weird. Uh, it's so I don't know what to so think cool. about it, really. I loved it, like, diving into this new area with a different art style than anything you've seen yet, and it's this weird isometric thing, like, that was kind of blew up in the world and made you go, oh, you're just straight up telling us that this is a character who's not in this world, who's hiding away. 
I think it kind of confirms some of the stuff about the first game, right? About how Young was living in this fantasy world to hide from social interaction. I think this is just an extension of that, where the the gargoyle in this section represents that, and then her diving back into the computer to save herself is is that. At least that's how I saw it and how I interpreted it. Uh, and I just thought that was really cool. Uh, did you... So, after this, basically the only research I did, much like the first one, is I watched the Nitro Ad video on this, and he pointed out something that was, like, really dark. Did you watch that video? Uh, I did, but go ahead and reiterate it, because I have bad memory. <laughs> yeah, he made a point about the ending of this game, where the ending of this game is very positive and very happy, and he was like, but it's actually not if you remember that section with Nora, because Nora went and started in the computer and still has not left New The Land. Uh, she is still in there. She just left that location with these characters, right? The first game was Young escaping. And this one, she's still on that computer, which is really dark. Like, this is a game about the hero who does not leave. Yeah, I would actually, um, and I thought about that too, where, you know, she dives away from the gargoyle and into the computer again, then you are playing the game again. Okay, cool. That's weird. You know, the name similarities are there and all that, but, um, I think, I think the ending has a different meaning, at least for me, but I wanted to get into that later once we discuss other things like Dustbound Village and whatnot. Yeah, we can we can do that. I do want to mention because I mentioned it in the intro. This was this section was the area where I thought the controls were bad because for some oh, reason yeah, it's, they're not real yeah. isometric controls. They're still the two D four directional ones. So like when the gargoyle is chasing you and then it comes out of the room you're heading toward, I I got caught like like legit like five times. And was yeah, a bit me too. Because you have to you have to kind of pivot the D pad in your brain to be matching the isometric thing and. Is a little weird because you don't do the diagonals with the d-pad you do the regular directions as if it was turned and that kind of messed with me yeah so it was uh but it, jesus it was, christ that gargoyle section scared the shit out of me yeah it was pretty freaky uh, cool really cool yeah you know it's freaky when the developers come out and say hey this part, next part's pretty creepy if you want to skip it that's fine yeah oh, i love that and i think that that moment in particular plays into uh, plays into these games, this the last game and this game being all about interpretation uh, and how you felt coming out of this, which I, I absolutely love. Like We're probably going to have a discussion when we have two different interpretations of this game, which I think is wonderful, Like much like the first game. And I brought up Nitro Ads there because I think that's a really interesting dark one, but I, I think it's not necessarily wrong. And I think them allowing you to skip that says, yeah, it, hey, it doesn't matter if you see this. It's just about what you, you know, what you see and how you feel about it. You don't have to view everything, which I, I like. Uh, I also like it because it basically means that this game also has a moment like Call of Duty where they're like, oh, you don't have to play this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is know, their no Russian. If <laughs> yeah. If you're like sensitive to these kind of scary things and it's like okay this isn't the game you signed up for and we understand that um i think that's cool looking out for their audience yeah of course um well then why don't we talk about what what was your favorite dungeon or section in this game let's let's use that as a springboard yeah i have a couple um first one i'm looking at my notes here and the first one that i brought up was jeff agrocyte 
Um, he's the yes. rock guy that's in the hole. This also kind of caught me off guard because this dungeon doesn't... It has like one enemy in it, I think. And there's no real puzzles. It's really all just about the story. So it's a dungeon where you're just kind of experiencing the story about how this guy was looking after his town and then the dust showed up so he began digging to try and eradicate like the fungus that it was coming out of even though it really wasn't um and it's super tragic especially when you go like into his memories of the town and um i mean I, it was just really cool to have this this 2d dungeon that really just focused on this one character that didn't know yet you're just kind of exploring their story as you go yeah i completely agree i thought it was a phenomenal area and i i i like like that was the first one where you get out of a dungeon and they transition you through the 3d environment back to the dungeon which was cool i uh they they did that thing another time too but they didn't really have any combat with the city one which i didn't feel like was as successful it was goofy and kind of fun but it wasn't I didn't feel like that same connection as I did with this one just because the story in it was so good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other one that is before like the big transitioning point in this game for me is the Clonway Yonstein dungeon, uh, which is the scientist who has a robot brother that is really just a computer yes. so that she can run simulations on social interactions. Yes. I thought that dungeon was super cool. You know, the story and the character interactions are fun. And then I think the puzzle solving in the combat in that in that dungeon as well is super cool. You get this clone that you have to sort of track two sides of the dungeon around and not hit things or steer it into the other thing. And I love that kind of stuff. And then having this interesting story as well where she's sort of looking at this robot brother that she made and being like, oh, he messes things up all the time. It's like this sort of reflective thing when you get to the end. I thought that one was super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, by the way, I don't remember anybody's name in this game. <laughs> like, These I are the only ones I wrote like, down. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's the there's the uh, tongue dude and there's the angry guy and the hoarder, <laughs> which were all great, by the way. That's It's such a oh, yeah. strong first area with those three. Um I love the tongue guy's dungeon where there's just big tongues everywhere and you have to pull the levers to it's kind of disturbing honestly but I really and there's the taste buds that come up and talk to you yeah. and they're like wow oh, what do you taste like it's like oh ugh, this is weird yeah I love the implication by the way um so in our last episode I forgot to talk about this and I really wanted to about what an anodyne is which basically is like an avoidance of of pain and social interaction uh, pretty much, and it's actually like another word for a painkiller, or a uh, not a painkiller, but like a what's it called? <laughs> a drug for depression. Um, An antidepressant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know that one. That exact word I said. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's basically that, and I love how this game you are Nova shrinking into other people, becoming the antidepressant, uh, going into their bodies and helping them cope with these problems and, and i feel like especially for that first area it's very clear that that's what you're doing you know especially with angry guy i thought that that was a really strong story point where it, it just felt like oh this is what this is you are 
medicating this person. And it is being shown through a fantasy allegory, but you are medicating this person. And I love that, by the by the way, my favorite one of my favorite moments at the ending when we flip to that guy, when we get a little scene of his, he's talking about how it helped him for a bit, but now it's he's still angry, right? Because he's not taking that medicine anymore. I thought that was a really fascinating concept and a cool way to demonstrate that. Um, I don't know, did you pick up any of that stuff or am I crazy? Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely something, um, you know, and especially with the first one, it was also called Anodyne, and in a way, that whole game was an Anodyne for Young. Yeah. You know, the entire, the land was this escape or this pain relief for him, and then in this one, it's a lot more literal of you are the Anodyne instead of the world, and this also kind of bleeds into the name of their production company which is analgesic which is um the adjective of relieving relieving pain so you know that kind of layer goes as well but it's layers on layers on layers it's that it's the name of the game it's what Nora's doing and it's what nova's doing right it's it's so which is really cool yeah definitely i think so. it's inception <laughs> yes but uh, it's not. It's never clear whether that's a good thing or not. Yep. And I think that's important because it's not. You know, Nova. Uh, about halfway into the game, you get, um, you get the Dustbound chapter, um, which is super interesting because that's when she disconnects from the center and learns about people who are sort of embracing the dust, and this kind of messes with her because this is not what she's trained to do. And also there's the Glandalock seed, which is forcing her to not accept it. Um, but she gets to be her own person outside of, you know, just being the nano cleaner. But this, this entire dustbound chapter kind of points out that the dust is not necessarily bad. Like it's, it's kind of annoying and it's definitely not something you really want around, but not something you need to purge from everything. I don't know. What did you take from this chapter? Um, and this gets into what I think one of the big themes of this game is. I think I took from it that, well, A, actually, I loved Nova's interactions. I love that this is the first time she's eaten or even spoken. I think that stuff's really fun. But in the bigger picture, I think that, like, it's, to me, it seems like dust is an allegory for, um, like, a mental illness or a mental block. And what this is saying is that you can't just completely purge that. That that is a part of who you are as a person, and you can live with it and learn how to deal with it. But there's no like you are learning to manage it, and you're not. There's no magic, you know, no magic anodyne to get rid of it, which I, I think is kind of the theme of the whole game, um, which is what I saw in it at least. Yeah, I think that's super spot on because the anodyne ending is it becomes that you know magical uh purge but it just freezes everything it's not you know that's the bad ending <laughs> so yeah they got rid of all the dust but then what <laughs> yeah it's everything everything is frozen there's no life there anymore it's the message is that these things, while bad, aren't 
they aren't um, they aren't necessarily killing you. I think is the point. Yeah, and this is where I kind of struggled with this because I interpreted it that way as well. But then I was kind of wondering what the game was saying with it, where you know it's not saying that mental illness is good, <laughs> which is you know because that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But it's saying that it's not something that. Um, I guess it's not something that should be, like, this is not the right word for it, but, like, criminalized, or just, like, it shouldn't be this taboo thing, it should be sort of a open thing, like, yeah, we're, we have dust, like, yeah, <laughs> we're coping with it however we are, whether that be medication, um, which is not just a fix, you have to do other things as well, um, I'm a person with anxiety and depression, so this kind of theming as well kind of spoke to me. Um, but it's, you know, the, medic the medication does something, you know, it does help, but it's not a permanent fix and it's not the only fix. You know, you got therapy and just your own sort of working through it and the support from others. I think the, the Dustbound Village is kind of speaking to that where they don't have like the quote unquote medication, they're just doing these group activities and running this town together to help out each other in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a, an interesting thing to think about. Um, interesting to think about what the interpretation that the developers were taking away from it. Right. Like, cause you're right. What are they saying about medication and about health? Because you could take away that, they are saying medication is bad, which I personally don't think that that's what it's about, but it's certainly a message that I wouldn't blame anybody from taking from this game, which, you know, I, if that were truly the case, I would say that would be a little irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, and pretty problematic, too. Like, yeah. I don't think that's... I, I really don't think that's what they're no, going for. I don't either, but... Because, because even still, if they were to say that medication was, like, bad, then Nova would be kind of painted as a bad guy later in the story. Um, but that's not the case. You know, they kind of accept Nora for what she is and then even use her skills um, when she's helping out with, like, the farming and whatnot. She is kind of helping them with their dust. So in that way, it's like medication helps, but it's not the only thing, I think, yeah. is what they're going Yeah, and I for. think this game is more, of a, more about the... Um, it's more taking on the concept that just medicating yourself is the answer, right? I think it's more about, like, like you got to do more. There's more um, things to be done, right? And that's why, that's why I thought that us cutting back to Angry Guy was such a powerful thing for me because I, I think without that, it would be unclear. But him talking about how he's still angry, I think, is such a powerful reminder that it just didn't go away. This wasn't a magical fix. Which I, I thought was super powerful and cool. Oh yeah, and then I also kind of want to discuss um, what you think the center represents. Yeah, I, I, I do wish real quick that we had gotten more from more of the characters than just him. Um, I, I just I. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like just more characters, even if it was the same line of dialogue, because I do think that's the point they're making. But only showing one character is a bit odd, um, with the one problem, <laughs> you know. Uh, but well, if you talk to them again after you complete their dungeons, they say that it's not 
like fully solved. Like especially with like the taste guy, he's like, okay, I still have all these like weird urges and whatnot, but it's less powerful. And so like I think it's still there. It's just not as shown oh, in cool. the end like that guy. Yeah, I didn't do that this time around. Um, so that that's that's good to know. So sorry, you were asking a question about the center. Yeah, what do you think the center represents in this story? I I think it could be a couple things. While I was playing it, to me it seemed like an overly um an overly maybe protective guardian or parent while I was playing it and then it it could but I also saw it as maybe as a representation of society um and what society thinks of maybe mentally of mental illness. Uh, but I wasn't sure, honestly. That was one of those that I, I didn't really have a clear thought of what I what it could have been. What about you? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's definitely a couple ways you could interpret this. Uh, the big one that kind of is pretty, like, easy to spot, I think, is that it's a religious allegory. And that's true, but if you're working it into sort of these other theories, I definitely think your perception of it being a society is... That kind of works because the center is what's inf- influencing all of these people that live in center Sonote, the city, you know, the mm-hmm. society. And then sort of as you get further away from that, you get more and more people that aren't as in tune with the societal norms. And then you even get the Dustbound Village, which is completely against them, really. I think that sort of parental role as well is also, you know, kind of explicitly stated but it's stated in a way that I think the character um, C. Psalmist, and then later in the game when you get C. Visionary, um, those are very much like the controlling parents. Less so with Psalmist, but it's sort of the less accepting side where they're like, okay, here you have a role to do and you should go do it. But the with uh palamist is that her name yes she is the very accepting like parent so much so that she goes off to make you a gift which is what leads you to discover the dustbound village but then she disappears which i think a lot of people um from what i've read is interpreted as the center sort of suppressing her oh i don't they outright say that in the ending? Where they were like... Well, they had to get rid of her? Because she's a creation by the center. She's not real. Right? Isn't that explicitly said by... Um, the other one, not the one with the harp? <laughs> uh, visionary? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I do remember that. Um, so, she was kind of deviating from what the center wanted to... I mean, to. there's that horrifying scene where she squishes and squashes like, and gets crumpled up. Which one was that? Sorry. It's a, the scene where she literally dies. We see it. Like her model. Like, it, 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 it look, it's really disturbing looking. It happens about halfway uh, through. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out again. I don't fully remember that. I remember her card gets cut in half, but. Yeah, that's after. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we literally see her die. Uh, and apologies um, if we seem a little disjointed. I've been playing this game over like a couple weeks. Um, like yeah, a, and I played this like a month ago, so yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's little, my it's fault. Not quite audience. As fresh. Like 
I think I was playing this at the same time as Last of Us 2 and then Ghost of Tsushima, so my, my brain might be a little a little faulty with this one, and Connor's might be as well. Uh, my bad. <laughs> I should have finished it sooner. But I think the that sort of reflection of the sort of accepting parent and then the controlling parent and then, you know, Psalmist and Palisade, that's her name, Palisade, they're sort of, they are these, like, they're literally stated at the beginning of the game that they are your mothers. And then when you get to see Visionary, that is trying to be this, like, father figure. And I don't know specifically what they're trying to say with that. Um, but beside the point, that is this controlling societal norm for Nova, whereas uh, Palisade wanted to, like, expand Nova's horizons for that. Hmm. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I, I didn't see necessarily, and it makes sense. Uh, it's probably actually super obvious. I didn't necessarily see um, him as a father figure. I saw him more as like, like I said, the, that societal thing, maybe like as a, as a representation of the state or the government. Right. That's kind of how I viewed yeah, him. Yeah. Um, but well, and could he could totally be seen that. as like sort of, he's definitely an invasive force because he doesn't show up until like last third of the game. He's not in there at all. So it could be, you know, even this sort of new perspective, this, like, stepdad type deal. I don't I don't know what they're really doing with that allegory. But having that sort of new influence that's a lot stricter, um, I think, is definitely what that character is going for. Yeah, for sure. Um Oh man, so do you want to talk about the ending now? Is there anything else you want to discuss? There's a lot. Um, we could go to a lot of different places. Yeah, I w- the I want to talk about this. The there's what three? No, just just the two expansive two D areas. Yes. There's uh new V land with two E's and the um pastel sun sort of something. Pastel Horizons? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Pastel Horizons I thought was real cool. And V-Land I thought was pretty cool, though it does do one of my least favorite video games ever, in which it goes, hey, here's a joke about video games and about how video games work, and it sucks, and we're not actually going to fix the problem, we're just going to make a joke about it, which is with the map. And it's not, it's not the end of the world, but they make a joke about how, oh, you expect to see yourself on the map? Well, that's not how map works. It's like, haha, funny. But actually, this is kind of a big area, and I'd like to see myself on the map, please. Yeah, I think the landmarks do enough to sort of guide you. But yeah, seeing yeah, it's on not, the map would be good. Like I said, it's not like it's not so big that it's an actual. It's a huge problem, except for the fact that like there's a bunch of stones you have to push in a certain order in that place. And having a map would have been really nice. Having a, like a functional video game map. Yeah, I think I ended up using a guide for that one. Yeah, actually. I did too. That was the one place I had to use a guide, and I was like, "Like that—that's a bummer." I I do wish that they had come up with some solution, even if it was like a like an unlockable you could have found or something. Yeah, even the final boss of that makes sort of that meta video game type joke where it's like, "Oh, I have a final form," and then uh, Melo shows up and is like, uh, "Actually, we don't have the budget to yeah. give you a final form." That was great. And I also I just like that battle. It was pretty uh, inventive. The you, you know I think you can make those meta jokes while also 
you know, making the design make sense and modern. <laughs> like, it's just, I feel like, I can't remember which game it was. I feel like it was Borderlands or something that made, was like, made constant jokes about fetch class while making you do fetch class. And it's just like, that's that's something I cannot stand. That's lampshading is what that is. Yeah, so I think this game may have just hit on a nerve, unfortunately, during that part. But I, I did like the theming of that area. I liked the, you know, like, almost generic fantasy vibe to it. I thought it was kind of fun. And I, I do like the video game commentary there as well. Yeah, this is also the area where you get the the Pico scale, um, which is kind of interesting. You go even smaller. I think they use that when they want to open up these 2D areas. They sort of add that extra that extra layer that they wanted to do with the 3D environments as well. They just add that into the 2D area with this Pico style. Um, yeah, I thought, which that, I thought was, was really cool. cool. Yeah, it was, it was dope. Uh, this is also right before that, I guess, the um, the area that I think makes playing the first game worth it, which is when you enter the Nexus, which is awesome. Yeah, it's straight up the Nexus from the first game, and the um, the Sage is there, and it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah, it's a really fun moment. Um, did you find the um, the the first world because you can do that you can go walk through anodyne one's world and it's all destroyed i never found that yeah you can only do that after you beat the game so i did go back and find that okay yeah which is that's really cool and that you know ties in the story of the first game where uh young left and then the the sage wanted to get out as well so he began using the swap tool like all over the place and everything is when you go explore it, everything's swapped in random places and all that. That's so cool. So, is there anything else you would like to discuss before we get your opinion on the ending? Okay, we're back. Sorry, audience, if that was a bit jarring. Uh, we just had some technical issues with Connor's microphone, so we had to cut, and now we're back. So back to talking about the ending. So I might sound Go. different now, but that's why. Okay, uh, the true ending, not the anodyne ending, the dustbound ending um, shows Nova going against the center and releasing all of the dust that's been collected. Um, once she does that, she jumps into the dust containment and then she blacks out. Uh, when she had, by the way, I had an unfortunate glitch during that section. Oh no. I was jumping to shoot the thing and I fell through the container. And so I wasn't sure if it was meant to happen or not, but she just slowly floated down the whole thing. Like the whole tube. Oh no. Yeah. Um, it, you know, once I got to the bottom, it spawned me up front. Uh, I didn't have to like restart the game or anything, but it did kind of take some of the impact out of it. Oh, I was like, I've already done that. <laughs> yeah. It was okay. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it so, did happen. But once she gets down there, she blacks out. And when she comes to, she sees C. Psalmist and C. Visionary um, talking to a new 
uh, nano cleaner named Zira. And this is where Nova decides that she's going to free Zira of the glandalox seed that's planted in their brain at birth. Um, so then Zira can be her own person and not be controlled by the center. That's the main goal there. So all of this is so dope, by the way. Oh yeah. So you shrink inside Zara and you have a whole dungeon in there, which is super cool. You fight the Glandaloxid as the boss, which is a legitimately great fight. I they I want to give them compliments on that. Like I yeah, thought it was really fun. It involves you, you know, dodging the seed as it attacks you and then you shrink into it into its pico scale and you fight the inside of it and that fight is super great that whole dungeon was super enjoyable Um, it was definitely it's like the only area in these games that i felt like truly is cool and epic like i feel like most of the time they're cute and meaningful but like this one i was like oh hell yeah like i was excited about it like like i would be in a game like last of us getting to the end or ghost of shishima right like like I'm excited for the action in it, which is really cool. And I wasn't expecting playing this game. Yeah, so when Nova does that, she removes the Glandalox seed and then jumps back into the 3D realm, uh Zera is apparently appears to be dead. Which is like, oh shit, uh we fucked it up. So C Visionary starts talking about some bullshit and then consume sea psalmist which is grotesque yeah uh but is then fought off by these sort of like dust attacks which i don't know who that was and it seems to imply that it's the uh main characters from the dustbound village which seems weird but was cool yeah this this whole cutscene is what I was talking about when I thought the ending was a bit drawn out. I, I feel like it's just a little too long and like it's weird pacing wise because the the C uh, visionary and C uh, the one with the harp um, gets con- you know cons- C visionary consumes her and uh, you're thinking like oh is this going to be another boss battle thing? Is this going to be something? And then it's just nothing. It's just weird. It's weirdly paced. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. It, it just feels a bit too much. I like it. Like, I like everything that happens. I just kind of wish it had been paced better, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I can agree. But the 3D, I thought, oh, this is setting up for a big boss fight. But then, you know, the 3D realm doesn't have any combat mechanics. So it's like, okay, how is yeah. this going to work? Uh, it just, I assumed we you know, were going to shrink it. and do that again. But I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It does kind of bring up a... Uh, issue an unfortunate one it's an unfortunate complaint i'm gonna make about this game it is really nothing they could have done given that it's an indie game with a budget but there are lots of moments where action is supposed to happen where they just put text on screen and it does kind of you know it does kind of kill some of the moments and i feel like this is one of those where it's just like okay you're telling me but you're not showing me and i get it i totally get it it just i just wish they had a little more to work with you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a hard it's... complaint to make because it's just exactly. like, I, I understand. I just wish it was a bit better. But, but you know, if they decide in their all of their future projects, that's definitely, you know, a critique that could be used if they 
you know, get success with this one and their other projects, if they have more budget, more time, maybe even some more people helping out with the game, I think that would be something to improve on in the future. For this game, it is what it is, and I totally understand that. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't mean. help Palisade, yes. Uh, when we see her die, that is an animated moment. <laughs> um, and the animation's horrifying, and it's memorable to me, at least. So I, I, I think that honestly makes it worse that I remember that scene, and that everything else like that is not animated, and my dog's moving around, so if you can hear her, sorry. Um, but I, I just felt that, like, it, it just took something away from the ending from that ending scene at least when it's like implying all this weird stuff but like like we don't see uh zora zahora something zira Zira. uh we don't see her explode into nothing right we just it just cuts to it and it does it does you know I'm, i'm not saying i want to see you know something super violent like that but it it does take some of the punch away well, and I think that specifically kind of works because then it's revealed that Zira didn't die. She just transformed into a baby. So That's true. I guess that kind of that kind of works there. But so the ending kind of unfolds after that where uh, Visionary's defeated and the center is defeated, essentially. But they want to now that Zira's a baby, <laughs> they want to raise Zira to be whatever she wants to be. So they uh talk to the boat guy who's been trying to build a boat and they sail off and then elegy oh, i have to scroll up to find your name elegy beatty uh one of the residents of dustbound village and drem kidako drem got brainwashed by the center somewhere along there but elegy and her son ash beatty they jump into the 3D realm and are there with Nova to help raise Zera, essentially. And that's that's where the game ends, is them sailing away. Yeah, and so you were talking about how you didn't really um, agree with the, the theory that this is kind of a dark ending because it's Nora is still sitting at that computer. I, w- I want you to expand on, on what you think about this ending. Yeah, so this ending specifically kind of plays into the th- entire theme of the game, which I think is a really strong allegory for the experiences of LGBT people. And this is a very sort of bold statement, I'm aware, but everything about sort of this self-actualization and all of that kind of stuff and you know, breaking free of the center's control, which is very much implied to be the par- the parental control, is sort of breaking free of sort of unaccepting parents. And maybe you have one parent who's super accepting, which would be Palisade, and one that's not so accepting and maybe is bound by a religion or something that is not accepting of their child. It's getting dark here, but all of that, then when Nova reaches the dustbound village and finds uh drem and elegy and they sort of teach uh nova how to be herself and be who she wants to be that sort of speaks to discovering 
who you are and not being constrained by these societal you know societal homophobia or transphobia or any of that it's also very much heavily implied that drem especially is a trans man you look at the concept art you can see like top surgery scars on him i think that's super cool the name elegibity is literally just lgbt i thought that was super cool when oh i didn't when pronounced think about that yeah that's super cool so then you know nova after becoming this you know this person who wants to be herself but still doesn't feel like she can because of the glandaloxide or just her which could just be her past trauma or whatever is sort of this she wants a better life for zira to explore who she wants to be and so that's where this ending sort of leaves you is you see nova wishing for a better life for zira and then you also get elegy and ash and then drem is going to come around as well once he gets himself sorted out all of that i think really speaks to this sort of lgbt allegory and this is where i don't think that the nora stuff is necessarily a sad part of this because yes she is escaping into the computer but she's escaping something that's sort of threatening her so she could just be escaping there's also i I think a scene in that nora section where she uh has like a relationship with another woman super cool also just kind of playing into this but she escapes into the computer where she escapes into new the land and new the land could just be a sort of visual representation of the like of the internet in a way where all of these townspeople and all of these sort of controlling uh, forces are not just society on all of these people but then the way you connect with them would be in this computer it's sort of just speaking with these people that are in the same social circles through this internet means so finding dustbound village would be finding a community via the internet that's maybe not in the real physical space that is accepting and and can teach you to that you know things like a religion or your parents or society can be wrong you know they can lead you astray so i think that's what the dustbound village is just a circle of friends so nova diving into or nora diving into the computer is her you know kind of focusing on that aspect of her life rather than the scary gargoyle part of her life which could just be more societal influence or external hatred so her diving into the computer is her making these connections and making her connections with her friends that support her really interesting that's that's awesome i yeah i mean i could totally see that um yeah wow um hmm. i know i rambled on there but that's kind of what it was speaking to me when i played it um you know i'm gonna totally out myself here but i am a gender fluid person 
that's a you know form of trans or whatever so having that sort of push and play especially where i live where there's a lot of sort of homophobia and transphobia in this state that i live in all of that that just really spoke to me as this is nova being who she wants to be and then being sort of the elder of this community i mean second elder under elegy she has experience so she wants to pass along that sort of freedom to zira that's cool yeah i i love this game and the first one too because we can both have wildly different interpretations of what all of that meant and they could still both be right like that's so cool because i didn't i that that wasn't something that crossed my mind at all i still consider this game an extension of the first game where it's kind of all about social interaction and social awkwardness and so that's why that that theory about um it kind of being a bleak ending resonated with me where we don't see her leave the computer but i could absolutely see everything you're talking about i think it's absolutely possible and plausible that that you would be correct there which is really cool yeah it's just kind of all of the layers especially even after the game kind of led me to believe that and even some metatextual layers with um you know the developers both having that sort of connection i don't know the specifics i'm not going to try and project anything onto them but you know they have that sort of awareness at least of the lgbt community and the its members so having that aspect of the story i think was really interesting to me um in the post game you know, we talked about the the first game's post-game, where you get the swap tool and you can break the entire game. This one's not quite as expansive as that, but you can, you know, view concept art and early versions of the levels, uh, just design documents. It's really cool that they let you drive around, like, gray boxed areas and stuff, though. Like, yeah, it's not as cool as the first games, but it's still pretty dope. Um, and it's all narrated by marina herself uh with just text you know just explaining what this area is here's where we tested the physics and the platforming and here's some design documents for what this area is there's one that's i think just called fear and that literally scared the shit out of me it's so fucking scary because it just drops you right in front of this giant red terrifying face Ugh, that <laughs> ugh, that one's weird but, you know, getting to hear their sort of design documents, that's where you get to see that they're inspired directly by Kirby. And I think all of that was super cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I, You know, in case it didn't come across, I really like your interpretation of it. And it totally is winning me over. I, I could absolutely see all of that. But, you know, at the same time, I could also, also see it being, you know, more mental illness stuff, as we talked about throughout this podcast. Like, that is why I think people need to play this game and discuss it. Because it's so... There's so many things that it could be. Um, I, I'm willing to bet that there are interpretations that we did not think of that would blow oh, us away. Oh, for sure. I think is this so is cool. definitely a thing that's going to resonate differently with different people. And I love that in a work of art, which this game is definitely, you know, video games as a whole are an art form. And this is definitely doing this sort of abstract artistic interpretation of real life things and any interpretation that resonates with you is correct for you really 
but even like with the mental illness thing and the religion allegory you can kind of weave those together i was thinking how and this is going to get super dark but like religion can try and control specifically like gay people and then some of that is with medication and that's that sucks <laughs> but you know you can kind of weave these theories in and out and take what you want from them and you know come up with your own theories i think that's uh anything that gets people talking or gets people any game that resonates with people i think is doing a good job at what it wants to do yeah um i'm gonna backtrack a bit just because i do want to talk about that interpretation um about Nora not leaving the computer i i like that thought because to me it says you're not going to win every battle which I, I think is kind of an interesting thing, especially if, if you know, what, what I interpreted this game as, as, you know, an extension of the first game's sort of um, meta story about young, you know, potentially, and again, this was all interpretation, but, you know, fearing social interaction and being awkward and stuff. I, I think that, like, you know, not cutting back to Nora at the computer is such a... To me, it speaks of, like, she didn't win this one. And it's not saying, I guess, I guess I keep saying it's dark, but it's not saying that she'll never win it, but she didn't win it this time, which I think is very true to um, mental illness. Um, I mean, you said it earlier, I, I will also echo that I, I also struggle from anxiety and depression, and yeah, you do not win every day. So, like, I think that, like, that is such a, to me, it feels more real than if she had one. If that makes sense, and I think that's why I, when I heard Nitro say that, I'm like, yeah, I could that that resonates with me. Where, yeah, sometimes you don't get up from the computer and you don't face the world, which is why I keep coming back to it and why I think that, for me personally, that I thought it was a powerful statement. Yeah, well, and in a way, she kind of won a small victory where she, within the computer, broke out into being her own sort of person like you could take the internal like inside the game uh story as this small victory for her where you know taking care of zira or whatever that is interpreted as uh is some sort of v small victory for nora and yeah she's not ready to face the giant scary ass gargoyle in her room but you know she's ready to take care of herself and some other friends of hers and i think that's a maybe not the full victory but that's definitely a powerful interaction that she's had in the computer cool shit man um anything else we want to get in i will quickly say i i think the meta coins are cool i wish they had been introduced earlier because i had already platformed a lot around a lot of those areas and was like oh i guess i gotta do it again um but yeah, I think that's kind of the last thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah, well, and the meta coins are a thing where you don't have to get like even a third of them to unlock all of the bonus content. Oh no, I had so many more than. <laughs> yeah, I think I still had a couple hundred left over when I bought everything. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, so you don't really need to go after all of them. It's mainly just a thing where once you get into the end game and the area is so massive for you it's like okay we kind of want to direct you a little bit just to make sure you're on the right track 
I love how some of them are hidden outside of the boundaries too. Yeah, bringing those, that that's sort cool. of boundary breaking stuff from the first game in. Not yeah, absolutely. to a full gameplay thing, but you know, you can still clip out of bounds and find things that the developers are like, yeah, we know you can clip out of bounds. It's not going to happen to break the game, but if you want to, you can. So here's some rewards. Yeah, that, that, that was cool. Yeah, this game is super cool. Please, please go play it. Please go buy yeah, it. Yeah, if you're listening now, we spoiled the shit out of it. Play it, buy it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you'll still enjoy it, I'm sure, even if you you know just heard us spoil and ramble about the entire experience there's still stuff in there you know we didn't talk about skelegum or some of the other dungeons and environments and whatnot so yeah and you may have a wildly different interpretation of it which is super cool and you know i'd love to hear that and all the more reason to play it yeah if you got theories on this game tweet them at us i'd love to read it yeah uh, speaking of twitter i'm at Dustin H. Dragon. And I'm at Brickmaster03. Uh, you could find us at Save Station Pod. Uh, you know, I check that pretty often. Yeah. Um, so the next time you hear from us. Actually, l- real quick. Th- we don't know what's next for Anodyne as a series. We do know that Analgesic is working on a 3D platformer. They have not announced the name of it yet, but apparently it's about. Uh, spelunking in caves so I, I, that's exciting it's coming out this winter apparently so thumbs up for that uh, but anodyne is a series we you know they haven't said if they're going to make a third one or not or anything as far as i could tell which is fine i think this is the kind of thing where they could never make one or they could make a billion of them it really doesn't matter yeah and they said that it doesn't matter which order you play them in and that's partially true there's some moments that sort of tie the other two in but they could just make more that aren't directly related to the plot at all or even have ties to it and still have the name you know like a final fantasy or whatever i'd still be super cool with that uh i'll check out whatever new projects they have as well they have a couple other games that came out between anodyne one and two that i also have not tried but we'll look into and they have said that Anodyne 2 was sort of the culmination of all of their previous work. You know, they took all their skills from all the rest of them and put them into this one. Yeah, and it certainly feels that way. Um, even not having played their other games, I think that like this definitely feels like a lot of love and attention went into it. But as far as this podcast goes, you will hear an episode on Ghosts of Tsushima next. And then I believe we have nailed down that we are playing the original Crash Trilogy before uh, 4 comes out, which is very exciting. Yeah, it. I think it lines up that if we're still following the two weeks, then we'll do each Crash game uh, in the two weeks, and then it'll lead right up to Crash 4. We'll be exactly two weeks after that, and then uh, two weeks after that is Halloween, so... We got kind of mapped out for most of the rest of the year. But yeah, next one's Ghost yes. of Tsushima. After that will be Crash Bandicoot. Yes, and we will be playing... Well, actually, I don't know. I haven't talked to you for sure. I assume you'll be playing the insane versions. Uh, yes, I might give the originals a try. I think I have the... I might have the second one lying around. But I might give the originals a try. But I will be playing the whole thing on Insane Trilogy. Yeah, and I would recommend 
that's how people play it honestly i feel like that this is a case where the remakes are the more accessible like better versions but yeah i i'm super excited to play those again i i play them i basically play them once a year like i, I love those games to death so and i think crash 4 looks wonderful that's an episode for another day so yes absolutely uh so yeah we have been safe station radio play anodyne too bye yeah. guys thanks for tuning in